Well, if you have a Bible with you this morning, I'm going to invite you to turn to the Gospel of Matthew. At this opening of our month-long missions conference, I want us to look this morning at Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to look at verses 10 through 12. I want to stay with the theme of the persecuted church that we've had for today, for this flag ceremony. And before we get into the message this morning, I just want to thank all of those who participated in the flag ceremony. I'm so grateful uh, to all of you. They sacrificed a couple of Saturdays to go through practices. And I want to say a special thank you this morning to Don Benson. I know Don doesn't want any recognition, but Don coordinated and uh, put together this whole thing. She had many good helpers, many good helpers, but she was the one who had the sleepless nights putting this all together. And we're very grateful for all she did. So if you see Dawn today, please make sure to thank her for all that she's done. In Matthew chapter 5, we have the beginning of what is called the Sermon on the Mount, perhaps Jesus' most famous sermon. It goes from Matthew chapters 5 through chapter 7. And at the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, we have what are known as the Beatitudes. They are verses, technically verses 3 through 10. I'm going to read for you in just a minute verses 3 through 12. Our text this morning, our passage, will be just verses 10 through 12. But I wanted to read all of the Beatitudes because they help us understand what we're going to look at. The word Beatitude actually is derived from a Latin word, and it means blessed or happy are those who do these things. Blessed or happy are those who do these things. So let me read for you verses 3 through 12 of Matthew 5. It says, Blessed, and this is Jesus' teaching, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And now our passage for this morning. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you. When others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account, rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Well, our first point this morning is, blessed are the persecuted. The Beatitudes form not only one of the most beautiful portions of Scripture, but also one of the most beautiful segments in literature. The Beatitudes are amazing. They have ministered to the hearts and souls of Christians for centuries. You could take the Beatitudes, and if you take what are technically the Beatitudes, verses 3 through 10, those are the Beatitudes, there are eight of them. And we could spend the rest of our lives pursuing these life-changing principles. You could. You could spend the rest of your life just meditating deeply on all eight of the Beatitudes. 
one way to approach Scripture is to take all of Scripture and to tie it to one or more of the Beatitudes. You could do that. You could go from Genesis 1 to the end of Revelation and tie everything to one or more of these eight Beatitudes. To live out the Beatitudes is to live a different life. To live out the Beatitudes is to live for God. It is to live for Him. It is to go in the opposite direction of selfishness, the opposite direction of this world. So in one direction is selfishness, self-centeredness, self-absorption. In the other direction, the polar opposite is the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes will bring you peace and joy and an intimate fellowship with God. But they will also bring you something else. They will bring you persecution. If any beatitude seems out of place, it is this one that says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And I want you to notice what it says. Blessed, happy, are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. It doesn't say blessed are the persecuted, but blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. If someone's being persecuted because they're living in sin, because they've broken the law, because they're obstinate and stubborn, that blessing isn't promised to them. It is the blessing to those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Righteousness here is a very important word, and it means to live just as Jesus lived. It is to be completely focused on him. It is to have your heart in tune with his heart, that you are enthralled with him and want to live and talk and think just like Jesus. If you are persecuted because you're doing that, you, you will be blessed. It is to be humble and broken and to desire to live like Jesus. You see, to live for God, to live for Jesus, is to invite misunderstanding, ridicule, angry reactions, and for some, far worse consequences. As we have seen this morning, many of our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world, in the past and in the present, have been tortured, imprisoned, and put to death for their faith. Some, even right now, in addition to those things, are being denied promotions, fired from their places of employment, mocked publicly, or refused certain academic or business opportunities. The video you saw earlier in the service, there was that one statistic that I thought really jumped out. Right now, right now, as we meet together, 360 million Christians around the world are suffering a high level of persecution and discrimination. 360 million of our brothers and sisters in Christ right now are suffering a high level 
of persecution and discrimination. We know, don't we? We know just even here in the States as Christians, all who stand for Christ risk losing friends, rejection by coworkers or fellow students, strained relationships with extended family members, or finding ourselves often in just really awkward situations. In verse 10, it says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those who are persecuted because they seek to live and talk and think just like Jesus, to live humble and broken lives, to try to imitate and emulate their Savior in his power and strength. Those who are persecuted for that reason, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It means they give evidence that they belong to another place. Their citizenship is in another world. They long for heaven, and heaven is their reward, that which they look for and long for so much in their lives. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That leads to our second point this morning. Persecution is inevitable. To stand for what is right, to stand for truth, and to be a light in a dark world will bring, it will bring opposition. Very famous verse, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12. Many of you know this already, but I want to repeat it for you this morning. It's so important. The Apostle Paul says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And we just need to let that sink in this morning. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. In verse 11, Jesus says, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. I want to start with that last phrase, on my account. Again, being persecuted for righteousness' sake and being persecuted on Jesus' account are the same thing. They're synonyms. If you desire to live a humble and broken life, to be like Jesus in your words, in your thoughts, and in your actions, if for that reason others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely, you are blessed. There is a supernatural joy and peace and strength that is yours in Christ. Think with me this morning. The most godly and righteous person to ever live, of course, was Jesus. And Jesus was accused of being possessed by a demon. He was called a glutton and a drunkard. He was called a friend of tax collectors and sinners. He was mocked. He was whipped. He was beaten and finally crucified. And the more we are like him, the more we are like him, the more we will face the rejection of the world. However, 
one of the greatest evidences of your salvation. One of the greatest evidences that you are part of the kingdom of heaven is that to you, Jesus is more important than anything in this world. That you are willing to live like him, think like him, talk like him, act like him, because nothing is more important in this world. Everything else in this world fades in comparison to being in love with and to honor and obey and exalt our Savior. We receive a great promise. A great promise. Any opposition a Christian may face will be far outweighed by God's peace and comfort here on earth and his great rewards in the life to come. That is our promise. That whatever opposition we face, whatever persecution we may face, whatever persecution our brothers and sisters face for Christ will be far outweighed by God's grace his peace, his comfort, and also we will receive great reward in heaven. Look at verse 12. Verse 12, Jesus says, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That first phrase, rejoice and be glad, William Hendrickson, in his commentary on the Gospel of Matthew, says that phrase literally means leap forth, Leap forth with unrestrained, exuberant gladness. So what Jesus is saying is leap forth with unrestrained, exuberant gladness when they persecute you, for your reward is great in heaven. Jesus said it is the way of the prophets. It is the way of the men and women of old who spoke on behalf of God who became the messengers of God. It is the way of Elijah and Elisha. Jeremiah, who suffered persecution throughout his ministry. It is the way of Daniel, Ezekiel, Amos, Zechariah. It is the way of the last of the great prophets, John the Baptist. John Piper, in his sermon on this section, says that all Christians should go back to Hebrews chapter 11 over and over and over again and reread it and reread it. Because Hebrews chapter 11 tells us of the men and women of faith who were looking forward to heaven, who had their eyes on heaven, who endured so much suffering for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of God. It says of Abraham that he was looking forward to a city whose designer and builder is God. It's said of those other great men and women of faith in Hebrews 11, that they were looking for a heavenly country, a better country. Whatever they endured here, they knew that God had something far better for them in the life to come. Persecution is the story of much of church history. You know, when we study church history, we love, I love, to study the great revivals. I love to learn about the first and second great awakenings in the United States or around the world, those times of great revival. But you know what, this morning? If you study church history, 
the times of great revival aren't that many. The vast majority of church history is a story of persecution. Did you know that? If you study church history as a whole, often, often around the world, the church, more often than not, the church has faced opposition and persecution. However, when we read of those men and women of faith in Scripture and in church history who stood for Christ no matter what, and when we say in our hearts we're willing to do the, sta- the same, we stand together with some of the greatest women and men who have ever lived. Who have ever lived. We stand together with them. The Beatitudes begin and end with the statement, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They give evidence that they are citizens of another world. They look forward to heaven. Heaven is their reward. This is the lifestyle of the citizens of God's kingdom. The Beatitudes define the word grace. You can't live out the Beatitudes on your own. You can only live them out in complete, total dependence on Christ. Jesus is our life, our example, and our hope. Let us desire to so be like him, to think like him, to talk like him, and to honor him no matter what we may face. In just a moment, I'm going to close us in prayer. And then Pastor Mike is going to come after that, and he's going to lead us in a closing song. After that, we are going to make our way to the gymnasium for the International Ethnic Potluck. If you are a guest here this morning, if you've come to watch someone in the the flag ceremony and you're a guest here and obviously you didn't sign up like our regular attenders and members did, you didn't sign up for the potluck, we want you to know you're welcome to come. We plan for extras, so if you are a guest here this morning and you can stay, we more than welcome you to come and join with us in that potluck. Just a couple of instructions this morning. Parents, parents with children, especially small children, according to our child protection policy, when we're in the gym, your children have to stay in the gym. They can't be in other parts of the building. So if you'd help us with that, we'd be very grateful. Also, when I pray in just a moment, I'm going to pray for the meal. So when you head to the gym, go ahead and get right in line. Let's pray together. Father, We pray this morning for our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine who are enduring for the sake of Christ and his gospel right now, even right now. We pray for the persecuted Christians in countries mentioned this morning. May they know the blessing and strength of living for Jesus in the middle of the fiercest storms of life. Father, we thank you for the food that we will partake in in just a little bit. Thank you for the blessing of being able to share this meal together as a church family. We pray and ask that you would bless our time and make it a wonderful time of fellowship and gathering together as the church. For we pray this in Jesus' name. 
Amen.